0: Hey fellow fraud fighters, I'm Jimmy Fong, CCO at Seon, and welcome to the Cat and Mouse podcast. Seon is fortunate to work with businesses such as the likes of Revolut, New Bank, and Patreon in the fight against fraud. But with this podcast, we want to provide a comfortable space for people to talk about the daily challenges, topics on the horizon, and ultimately give us all a better insight into the mindset of fraudsters. And with that, on with the show. So absolutely delighted uh, today to uh, get, um, uh, yeah, certainly a guest we've been trying to get on for a wee while, so we're glad we got in the diary. Uh, Peter Taylor, uh, also known, aka The Fraud Guy. Um, Peter, massive welcome to the show. Uh, First of all, I want to say (laughs) uh, you have trademarked that, right? The Fraud Guy. Did I understand that correctly?
1: Yes, yeah. Uh, it isn't a self appointed title. I just, uh, in a lot of industries, uh, I've worked in the insurance industry and online retailing, people don't like mentioning fraud. So I always sort of got casually introduced to clients to say, this is the fraud guy. Um, so I decided to trademark it.
0: Amazing. You must be kept busy with <laughs> trying to keep that trademark uh, enforced there, I imagine, Peter, as well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I don't don't worry too much. Um, You know, it's not something that I I would uh, die in a hill for. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, what people have always called me. So I decided to trademark it. Uh,
0: And so you featured on the BBC uh, BBC, uh, in the Fraud Squad uh, episodes. Uh, as well as like a number of uh, large industry conferences but you've kind of spent um really rich experience consulting with online retailers the financial services uh, insurers and fraud technology uh uh, providers as well um so so, so absolutely fascinating to dive into kind of that the 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 detail there and but your background let's just do two minutes on your background um you know where, where did you start how did you get into this
1: Well, uh, I'm an old upstart now, but I was a young upstart once. Uh, I was around about 29, 30. I was a CID officer, and I could see that fraud had just come off the police radar. So um, I uh, decided to settle my own business, investigating fraud commercially for insurance companies. I was told I was completely barking up the wrong tree. Uh, Within 18 months, I had 22 staff all working for me and that
0: was the launch of the career really that's amazing yeah. um, and, and if i understand correctly it um it goes all the way from uh i, I, I believe that uh, cunningham lindsay uh uk and sedgwick like like one yeah. of the largest global loss adjusters and you headed up investigations for them your background yeah. is yeah within uh, you were the director of fraud management at the davis group uh, and then that led into you uh kind of setting up your own shop uh, it sounds like
1: yeah, I did. I felt limited by um, insurance fraud and employee fraud. Um, need to keep fresh. Um, and I was fascinated by cyber. Um, so I decided to settle my own consultancy on the traditional fraud side um, and to expand my knowledge into cybercrime and cybersecurity. Uh, but conveniently for me, uh, since I started that, which was about 2016-2017, the two have just merged. You know, if you had a Venn, a Venn diagram of cybercrime and fraud, it'd be like a solar eclipse now. You know, <laughs> they've they, they just completely merged. Um, say, you know, the, the crossover is about 80-85% between the two. So I've been fortunate, um, or maybe I've been smart. I'd like to think a this far, but I've been fortunate um, that I made the right choice at the right time. So it keeps me really busy. Um, I'm more interested in doing the do than talking about it. Uh, but raising awareness is my way of giving back. You know, uh, if, I can, if somebody sees a broadcast, a podcast or whatever, and it stops one person getting defrauded uh, or more people getting defrauded, then, you know, that's my way of giving back. Yeah, amazing.
0: And it it kickstarted off uh, around the same sort of time in 2017 because you you took a slightly different approach um, with uh, conducting quite a large scale research project as well. Um, Yeah. Do you want to share kind of what what was the objective of that research project? What did you find out from that?
1: Yeah, I wanted to try and find out more about cybercrime. I I knew, obviously, insurance fraud and uh, organised crime pretty well. Um, Mm. I had a little bit of an inkling. But when I looked at um, cybercrime, Um, I I found that a lot of the research, it started off with sort of, um, well, what happens with the victims? So a lot of the information came from the victims. Uh, You know, they would do surveys, academic surveys and everything else. Uh, And what I wanted to do was, uh, so almost like think like a victim and then protect that victim. Mm. You know, and that's what the technology does, that's what organisations do, that's what data protection does. Um, So I thought it's become very popular now. What if we thought like a criminal? So I actually advertised for former cyber criminals that were willing to be interviewed by me. Conditions were they had to have been to prison. So I knew that they weren't um, making it up or faking it till they make it. Uh, so they had to prove to me that they had a criminal record, which is very unusual. Usually, it's <laughs> people proving that they haven't got a criminal record. Yeah, they're trying to uh, hide that, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, f- I found uh, some of the people uh, that I spoke to were absolutely fabulous uh, and a great help, and have become great friends now. So, uh, probably the most well-known of them all is um, is Brett Johnson, uh, the former uh, head of Shadow Crew. Um, uh, he's, he's up kind of like a celebrity now but uh he he's been really really useful uh but lots of others were too and i also made a point that i wanted people like brett who had been globally operating but also local people uh to to understand the patterns of how somebody became uh, a cyber criminal and uh, you've got people like brett who were big time um and then you've got the opposite of it which is like the kid at class who was a bit of a nerd, wasn't very popular. So he'd start making um, forged driving licences, false ID for his friends so they could get in pubs and clubs. And then within three years, he's finding himself he's making forged passports for the local drug dealers. uh, And and it goes on and on. So it was very interesting to to see how people actually got into cybercrime. And while focusing on the moment, so thinking like a criminal is important, but what I'm trying to do at the moment is to help people to actually think like a detective, where you've got to think like the victim, you've got to think like the criminal, but you've also got to think about how you can catch them. And I think that's, again, a little bit of a weakness with some of the criminals, because you don't actually know how they've been caught. And certainly uh, as, uh, as fraud investigators, we don't like to tell them. So how they think they've been caught and how they've actually been caught are quite often very different things. I think that's really useful knowledge if you're trying to counter fraud. So, but I, I really enjoy it. It's really interesting. Um, you know, the victims um, you can't help but feel sorry for them. Um, but I, and again, the other one I wouldn't want to underestimate is um, there are some fantastic fraud teams um, mm. and uh, fraud experts out there, and some fantastic cyber teams. Um, I'm also mindful of my own limitations so and I can't learn everything so mm. I concentrate on what I'm good at and then I've kind of reached a point now of trying to improve that all the time but know what I'm not good at and have somebody who is good at it five minutes away yeah but, you know have a five minute call away that can help me uh when I'm dealing on a really you know dealing with really complex issues but it was really fascinating. The interesting one as well, Jimmy, that I always like to tell people is when I advertised for the fraudsters, I actually had 12 responses uh, and two of them were lying. They weren't fraudsters, they were making it up.
0: Why would that be the case? Like, why would someone do that?
1: Uh, 15 minutes of fame, as uh, (laughs) Andy Warhol used to say. Uh, One of them, when I first spoke to him, um, it became apparent he'd just watched Breaking Bad on, <laughs> on, on telly. Um, and the other one, his version of what a cyber is and my version of what a cyber criminal is, uh, were very, very different. He was, um, you know, he'd not really done anything. And, um, you know, that was of any value to me. But both of them had sort of picked up uh, what they'd done before. But the other ten we uh, were absolutely brilliant, absolutely great source of knowledge, uh, really helpful, uh, as were the fraud and cyber teams, albeit my old colleagues decided that I must have gone mad i become a nerd, you know, because I'm doing cyber, uh, you know, sort of very traditional market. And um, InfoSec's quite a, quite a young industry, so um, certainly for me when I first came into it, uh, some people may be very welcome, but other people were like, it's like, to, uh, I don't, I, you know, I don't talk to my dad, so why am I going to talk to him? <laughs> or even I don't talk to my granddad, why am I going to talk to him? And I think I've proven myself uh, with the people um, that help me. Um, and I know, you know, not everybody is going to help me. Not everybody's interested uh, and not everybody's got time. Um, you know, so I just I just keep doing what I do, which is uh, I still investigate fraud, which I think is really important. Um so everything that I consult with or train with uh, is entirely relevant, because things change all the time. Um, and I was really surprised because I, I did have a period where I didn't investigate for a few years, and when I started going out and doing investigations again, things had changed. So one thing I do remember, I went out to try and do a, um, a covert surveillance, and there was nowhere to park the van. Literally, nowhere to park the van. The end. You know, every every house had uh, a car, car's parked outside it or on the driveway. There was just nowhere to park a van, so uh, I had to have a rethink on that. Uh, <laughs> and the other one as well is when you when you're interviewing witnesses or, or suspects, people are a lot more streetwise than they used to be, mm-hmm. uh, and they've googled you and um, googled their own situation beforehand. So. It's probably harder being a fraud fighter now um, in some ways, but in other ways um, it's easier as well because uh, technology uh, is a great Empower, You know, people have got much better tools than they had 15 or 20 years ago, much more reliable tools. I think a lot of the tools were there 15 or 20 years ago. I mean, going back to my carp days, we had fuzzy logic and, you know and all that sort of stuff. Uh and that was back in the 80s. Uh but I think people are use used technology a lot better. Interesting. Well you me- you mentioned
0: as well um in that research project uh of course you were um uh, jumping into the dark web uh, and uh, closed user groups I and mean, you were talking a minute ago about um how in some ways it's harder but in some ways it's a bit easier and uh, one of those elements was around uh, almost documentation or user yeah. guides it's this thing of like if you're going into that world like you know where do you uh, where do you get that um, kind of uh, foundation that that education and uh, yeah, lo- yeah I'd love to hear more what you found there
1: well you've got to be patient um, because uh, they're always looking out for cops um, so you've got to be patient you've got to be careful what you do and um, sometimes you've got to get yourself introduced into a group and um, smaller the group the harder the harder it is. Uh, But the other thing that has made it a little easier, uh, so I I did the research throughout 2017 and I published papers and everything at the end of that, but the research continued. So I've been able to do a lot more since then. Um, But yeah, I've uh, I've had to build false identities um, that I can use to infiltrate these gangs. Um, (laughs) And some of them have become quite popular and uh you know it's um but you've got to know what you're doing um and um, there are rules as well um you know so things like sharing a training man, training manual with um within the fraud community um, and share, sharing methods um isn't quite as dangerous as saying um, you know jimmy fong is um, a fraudster and this is where he works so, you've got to be careful what you do and how you do it. Um, and the other one, if you're working in the world of informants as well, you really have to have had the kind of training uh, that I've had and others have had in not accepting everything that an informant gives you, uh, making sure you've established what motives that person's got for mm. giving you the information, and also corroborating what they say so i i have a, a policy Jimmy, whereby if i found about find out about some new fraud technique off one person unless they corroborate it i won't share it with anybody because mm. i'm worried because there are a lot of claims out there that are ridiculous or not true the truth of the matter is that 90 percent of frauds are conducted in exactly the same way uh, and well, known, and then there's um, that small 10 percent that are developing and emerging risks. So you keep an eye on them and watch them come into the mainstream, but you can still get ahead of the game if you are, you know, monitoring the dark web. The other one I would say, Jimmy, is I've started to when I write dark web, there's no used to be capital D, capital W, it's small d, small w you now. Dark web. Isn't just about the dark web. It disc- the same activities are happening on um, on Reddit, Telegram, mm-hmm. even on Twitter, Facebook, and even probably LinkedIn. Uh, well, I've certainly seen quite a lot of investment type uh operating through LinkedIn. So the dark web, to me, has almost become uh, an, an adjective, a describing word for criminal activity um, using uh, media you know, using social media, whether it's through the dark web groups and marketplaces, or whether it's through what we call the bright web, which is the the web that everybody accesses via Google. Um, It's, you know, it's kind of like, let's put the the dark web criminals walk walk the bright web now just as much as they walk the dark web. The beauty, though, that people haven't tapped into properly, and I think I was one of the first ones to tap into on a large scale, it's, they're so open and they're so blatant and it really is like uh your ability to listen in and monitor you just gotta have the bottle to do it and <laughs> have we got the bottle to do it you know or, or have the uh have the have the wits about you that you're willing to actually do that um and do it well and you know and do it carefully but again um that's information gathering you need to do it
0: in an, inte- in an intel do an intelligence model hmm. uh, well, well that's also, that, that's interesting um i mean most of our audience are, are uh, of course are uh, fraud uh, fraud fighters like yourself i'm sure there's yeah. uh, some adversaries that that listen in as well and um, but uh, well, any, sure they do. yeah uh, yeah that would make sense right it's the same logic on their side and uh, what what um kind of practical tips then so the information's out there. Uh, you just have to, uh, as you put it, you have to have a bottle uh, to just get on them. Uh, what are some like kind of OPSEC uh, kind of tips you you would absolutely advise though?
1: Yeah, well, certainly um, if you're going on to um, onto the dark web, you're going to be going through Tor, uh, which gives you a degree of anonymity, uh, but remember who owns Tor. Uh, And it's owned by the CIA. So always remember that before you start. Uh, But sensible things are using VPN uh, to hide your location. Um, I have a single laptop with no data on it. and And I use that for accessing the dark web. But I don't use it for... I use it for dark web and for user groups. I don't use it for my normal work, so there's no, no. data on that. So, so it's pretty pretty clean. Um, if you are using a sock account, which I, it can be illegal to, you know, to to have a, a false account. Um, in some ways, it's just a matter that you don't comply with the terms and conditions of the sites that you're entering. Um, mm. But there, are, if, if you're doing it for the purpose of fighting crime. And research, you know. Then um, I don't see how you can avoid doing it. But if you do have a sock account, you know, make sure that you've got your geolocation location right on your VPN account. For anything, you know, that you've actually got a backfilled identity, um, and um, you know that you've got um, encryption if you need it for any email services that are related that you're using, and a good. Email service, not Gmail, um, and uh, I mean I, again, uh, re- recommended products in a way, but I find Proton Mail okay, which is quite good. Albeit they have got into they, they've lost a little reputation because they cooperated with law enforcement with something, but I don't mind that. That's fine. Yeah, that
0: was that was fairly public, right? Recently, yeah, like last yeah. Weeks, like, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: so it's So, thinking about your email account, thinking about your identity, um, remembering what you've said and what you've done Um, don't get dragged into anything. Um, If you are doing OSINT, um, the one that really does make me laugh is that quite a few people that are doing open source intelligence, start checking somebody's Facebook page, um, go into uh, the zone, start reading everything and then start liking comments. So, so, so that's a big no no. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah stay, stay alert. But as I say, from an <laughs> opposite point of view, if you can use a burner laptop, um, have a burner phone if you are actually a professional uh, fraud fighter. If you're not, you don't need to do that. Uh, be careful what you say, be careful what you do. Uh, VPN, um, and again, also good antivirus and malware detection. Um, But as I say, I have, um, like, the criminals have a burner laptop that they use for crime only, uh, and -hmm. they don't use that for the Facebook accounts or work accounts. I do the same. I have a burner laptop that I use for fighting crime only, Um, you know, and uh, that's that's the only way to do it really safely, in my opinion
0: yeah that's, that's 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 uh yeah super insightful i can't agree more with uh on, on those points there PR. um yeah. and the other thing I'd, lo- I'd love for you to kind of share share with our audience as well so you, you're on the cutting edge of trying to advise um you know uh all sorts from online business to you know latest financial services and um, i'm curious to your observation um in 2022 uh just going to q2 like what are you seeing as um the, the kind of the the techniques that are emerging now, like what would you say are some like top kind of techniques for us all to be kind of aware of uh, at this point in time?
1: Well, the the synthetic identities are, are now coming, uh, have now come mm. of age. A lot of them were being built in 2017. So they've got aged identities with aged, aged emails and even aged social media accounts. What well, they have cottoned on to, because of the pressure from governments um, in terms of verifying identification, that they've cottoned on to the fact that it um, tends to be a, th- a three-year thing. If you can give your, you know, your, your address uh, and you've got an email address that's three to five years old, or an address that you can give is three to five years old, then um, that will tend to get through. So they've picked that up um social engineering uh, is huge so um you've got things like uh you know if you if you're trying to do a sim swap or whatever or take over somebody's phone um, you try and fool their provider uh, and there's some sophisticated stuff that goes on around that but the easiest thing is to fool the user so you will actually get the users to give you the PIN codes or the codes, and that can be done by a phone call or spoof texts. Uh, I'm surprised how easy that works. And the problem for that is um, the, the way the criminals operate is so similar to what happens when you do a genuine SIM swap or a genuine purchase, but they actually do it better. <laughs> the more polite, the more efficient, the more that's ridiculous, right? Yeah, yeah. So that, actually, that's when you should get suspicious, right? When they're when they're too good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, uh, they're really good at it. Um, I've, again, I've had a number of people that have really struggled um, with the secure customer authentication because uh, when the criminal gets into their account, they then install multi-factor authentication if it's not already there to their burner phone. Uh, I had one guy; it took him seven months to get back into his own bank account because the bank thought he was the fraudster, but thought the fraudster was him. Um, you know, so uh, there's a fair old bit of brass neck out there. The big one that I'm seeing, Jimmy, that uh, if I could just give one message out to everybody is: maintain your websites. You know, if you've got a car, you service it every so often; you have it MOT'd. Uh, you do a mini service in a service, you don't wait till it breaks, you know, to to go to a garage, but with websites, people wait till they break, Um, they spend, I don't know, money once every two years or once every year getting somebody to do pen tests, but they don't monitor the system for the things that the pen testers usually come up, up with so out-of-date software out-of-date licenses malware already in your system because the hackers can find that out very very quickly and easily so they know how to get into 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 your website Uh, and they will find malware that's already in there that somebody's used and forgotten about Um, and they'll they'll hit your website as well so protection of your website protection of your data knowing where your data is knowing where your assets is uh, again, I, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm I, I, I trying. I don't want to sort of give things away, but I had one guy whose email address. It was uh, an administrator for a, a huge website who left the company five years ago, and was no longer using the email address, which wasn't a work email address. So the criminals just took over his email address and went into a big organisation with full administrator rights. So why, when he left, had they not just cancelled all his administrator rights? So, yeah, um, know where your laptops are, uh, know how many websites you've got. Uh, you know, I see people with 120 websites, a website that's somewhere that nobody's used for five years or more, but if somebody cracks it and gets in, they can actually then get into your main website. So, so those are the things, but in terms, of, in terms of the things that are emerging, Account takeover is huge, false identities, uh, synthetic identities, um, and refund fraud. So concentrating on the policies rather than anything else. But the one that upsets me most is to see multi, multi multi-million pound organisations and they still haven't got device detection, email age, email matching. You know, they haven't got it. Everybody thinks they've got it. Well, they haven't got it. Uh, And to me, that is, it's like having a house and not having a lock on the front door or the back door. You know, you just would not do that. Um, And it seems strange to me that I'm seeing people that are selling this as like um, something new when it's been around, you know, as you and I know, for five or 10 years. And people are buying it as something new. And they think to themselves, well, I'm going to be protected now. Well, no, <laughs> you've protected as well as you should have been five years ago. So yeah, you've made progress. Um, but having the basics in place is still always um, you know, the simplest thing. Uh, if you're worried about ransomware, why haven't you got a ransomware recovery plan? Why haven't you got a, a ransomware negotiator on tap? Why haven't you got a Bitcoin account in case you need to make a uh an interim payment you know you know fascinating yeah, yeah just sensible things really the kind of things that consultants like me can sit down and not do it in a smart ass order but just go through have you got this have you got that okay and then you can you know do your risk assessments work out what the priorities are what's most likely to hit you what the impact's going to be uh and have a plan and you know nobody's going to sort of like look at it on Wednesday, and fix it on Thursday or the following week. But there are some things that will be quick wins. And then there are other things that will take more time. And, uh, you know, it can be prioritised accordingly. But we just don't take enough care. I don't think of um, our systems, um, our data, um, and um, our customers. It's not just customers, it's also staff, employees, you know, everybody else, and we, we, we should protect all of them as though it was our system. Yeah, our data and our family. And if we do that, then it be- becomes harder for the cyber criminals, doesn't it? And it becomes harder for the fraudsters. Uh, I always say as well, what you first thing you do is you try and get them out of your business. Then you try and get them out of your industry. <laughs> because you just you just move them along, um, and let them you know, and let it become somebody else's problem. Um, and the, idea, the obviously the ultimate aim from that, which I don't know if anybody will achieve, is leave them no place to go.
0: Yeah, incredible. Um, I think that's a really good kind of parting thought on like how to approach it as uh, as yeah, kind of a, a community as well. But I, I like yeah. that seen as your business, your industry. And then yeah. more, <laughs> you yeah. know, from that side. Um, so, P- Peter, um, as you know, uh, uh, this is the Say on Cat and Mouse podcast. Um, so we, we we do absolutely make sure we ask our guests on it. Uh, in the world of uh, professional fraud fighter like yourself uh, versus, say, the professional fraudster, um, who, who do you kind of consider the cat in that scenario and who's the, the mouse uh, and uh, why?
1: Yeah, I think you've actually hit the nail on the head because that's what when... I started fighting crime. um, And in the early days, you know, so probably up up until um, about the year 2000 2002. The fraud fighter was the cat. um, And the fraud, the fraudster and the criminal with the mouse. Uh, At at this time, um, the cat is very much the criminal. um, And that's what we need. To do we need to achieve enough that it 's them worrying about us, not the other way around, uh, and we need to get back. I actually um have done uh posts or articles saying that we need to become the predator, not the prey hmm. and and until we get to that, i don 't think we 're really going to impact it because you obviously you know the other point that I want to make is what I am seeing that really scares the hell out of me is the recruitment by cybercrime gangs of new recruits, trainees, apprentices. You know, it's just absolutely huge. And because of the economic climate, because of COVID and everything else, there are people now willing to commit fraud who two years ago wouldn't have done, and hopefully in two years' time won't again, for that threshold, of um, you know whether or not somebody will resort to crime or even not you know resort to crime because of perceived need but resort to crime because of greed Uh, the threshold has has massively dropped um, and it's very easy for them to to find recruits Um, so you've seen people who've gone from being refund fraudsters who now recruit and train refund fraudsters instead And they've got that many um, students that they haven't got time to commit refund fraud, and they don't need to. But instead of one of them, you're getting anything up to two hundred replacing them.
0: Makes sense. And and then throwing a pandemic, and then throwing a recession coming with inflation uh, kind of on the rise. And I, I, I think absolute fertile ground for folk that. Are, are really sadly quite desperate as well. Yeah. So, so I, I, I can't agree with you more. And Peter, this has been fascinating. Um, if if um, our audience wants to find out more about uh, the fraud guy, where, where's the best place for them to go to, please?
1: Yeah, um, the, um, I'm on LinkedIn as Peter Taylor ACFS. So I'm an accredited counter-fraud specialist. Uh, I've got my own website, which is uh, wwwptc hyphen ltd.co.uk which is a little bit weird Um, and um, I think if you actually Google Peter Taylor sorry if you Google Fraud Consultant UK I think I usually hit the front page and I don't have any SEO so I'm easy to find and that's the way that I live my life uh, hidden in plain sight (laughs) Peter thank you again it's
0: been fascinating we'll make sure to link in the show notes there Uh, Peter thanks again
1: Thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate it.